Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. John, chapter 20, 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger in the marks of the nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Word of God for us this morning. Have you ever had one of those experiences where you had something that you did and then people didn't let you live it down? You know, you light one tree on fire on church property and next thing you know is everybody knows about it. And 20-something years later, when they greet you, they go, didn't you light that tree on fire one time? You see, when we get a bad reputation, it's kind of hard to live it down. When you get one of those stories stuck to you, people just always remember it. And it can be a long time and they can still recall that story. I think when we read this scripture, we have to acknowledge that Thomas has always gotten a bad rap because of this scripture. Think about it. The minute we read this scripture, you were like, oh, that's doubting Thomas. Immediately we went there. This is the one story that everybody knows about him. Poor Thomas doesn't have other stories in Scripture that are about him, right? This is the one where he's singled out from all the 12. 
And so this is the story that we always read and we always know. When it was evening on the first day of the week and the doors of the house were closed, the disciples met. And they were there behind closed doors because they were afraid of the Jews. We know that they had killed Jesus. We know that they were scared for their lives. Yet we are told Thomas was not with them. Thomas was not with them. Now if we pay attention to that small detail, we begin to realize that maybe Thomas was the bravest of all disciples. Thomas was out of the house, maybe getting provisions, maybe scouting the town to see what people were saying about Jesus being raised from the dead. Maybe he was checking to see if it was safe for the other disciples to come out. But he wasn't hiding behind closed doors like the others. He was out and about. Now just that small detail begins to put Thomas in a different light for us. Because mostly we only credit him for doubting. But what if Thomas was the one who was willing to risk being identified as a follower of Jesus? What is he, if he was willing to go out there to gather supplies because he was willing to be arrested for the sake of the gospel? What if Thomas was actually the bravest of them all? Thomas had been out, and among them, we are told Jesus appears among the disciples. And when Thomas gets back to the house, they have this crazy story to tell him. You would not believe what happened while you were out. Jesus showed up. Yeah, you know, Jesus, the one that was crucified, he showed up. And we could see that it was him. He was standing right here with us. We were all scared, and he said, peace be with you. And we immediately could feel that it was really him. And we were filled with joy immediately when we realized that when we looked at his hands, they were nail marks. Because we knew that only Jesus would have those. And we looked at his side, and sure enough, it was pierced. And we knew it was him. And I can just imagine how they're telling this story to Thomas. And Thomas is looking at them like, y'all been into the wine again? Are you serious? Jesus showed up? I mean, we can only imagine what it must have been like for him to hear this story after being away from the other disciples. For you see, I'm convinced that the disciples witnessed the crucifixion, even if it was hiding their faces and covering themselves up. I think that they were out in the periphery of that crowd looking at what was going on with Jesus the whole time. I bet some of them were on the side of the road as Jesus carried the cross towards Calvary. They had witnessed his death. They had experienced the fact that he was crucified and they knew the marks that he would have in his body. 
from the crucifixion. And yet, Thomas is told to believe that Jesus was alive and had appeared to the other disciples. So hearing the story of what had happened, Thomas must have been very upset. He was like, I can't believe I missed that. But he had a hard time believing it. He refused to believe what seemed to him an idle tale. It seemed like way too much. And he basically said, you know what? I am only going to believe this when I see the marks of the nails on his hands and put my finger there. And when I reach out and put my hand on his side, then I'll believe. Thomas needed to see for himself. Now, before we jump all over Thomas for his inability to believe, we have to remember all the times that we have treated God the same way in our own lives. How many times have we said, God, I'm going to believe your plan when I see how it's all going to work out? God, I'm going to believe in your healing once I see exactly the healing take place. God, I believe in your provision when I see how you're going to provide for me, what sources you're going to use, where it's going to come from. Lord, I will believe when I see what you're doing. But what if God is doing something you can't see? What happens when God is working behind the scenes for your blessing and your benefit and you can't see it and you're yet called to believe? Because that is exactly what is happening in this story when you think about it. Thomas had not yet seen Jesus, yet he was being invited to believe. And we can all point to something we want to see before we believe. We have a hard time believing in that which we can't see or touch or proof. And Thomas just went all the way. He went all CSI on us. He wanted to like measure the wound. He wanted to put his finger in the nail mark. I mean, you've seen CSI. I mean, they measure the tire treads in cars and match them up to the tires to make sure it's exactly the same car. What Thomas was saying is, I want to make sure that the one who appeared to you is really the Jesus I saw on a cross dying for us. I want to make sure that the one that appeared to you is really the Jesus I followed for three years. I want positive identification of Jesus as the risen Lord. It sounds reasonable to us, doesn't it? You'd want to know that it was really Jesus. You'd want to know that it was really him that appeared to the disciples, that it was really him back from the dead, that it wasn't an apparition or a ghost, but actually a risen bodily Jesus. So that's what Thomas was really asking for. His statement was not one of disbelief, but one of what we would call conditional belief, an if-then statement. If the one who appears has the marks that identify him as Jesus, 
I will believe in him. If he is really Jesus, I will believe. Well, Thomas got his chance to verify it was Jesus a week later when Jesus appeared again to the disciples as they were behind closed doors. Jesus again stood among them, and this time Thomas was there, and Jesus again opened up with, Peace be with you. Then, as if he had heard Thomas's discussion with the disciples, which I love about Jesus, he always knows everything, and we pretend like, you know, he doesn't. He goes, you know, Thomas, here I am. Put your finger right here in the nail mark. Stick your hand out and put it on my side. Don't doubt, but believe. Now, Thomas thought he needed to put his finger in the hole. He thought he needed to put his hand in the side. But the scripture says that when he saw Jesus, he immediately responded, my Lord and my God. He didn't have to go measure the wound. He didn't have to stick his finger in there. He didn't have to reach out with his hand and put it in the side. It was seeing Jesus. It was enough for him to believe and come to faith to the point that he, he said something that none of the others had said. My Lord and my God. Thomas the one we call the doubter, was actually the one who expressed the greatest faith in Jesus being God. He declared him so. And he affirmed his faith in Jesus. Sometimes we too believe that we need to see the whole plan before we trust. That we need to see everything that God is doing before we sign on to what he wants us to do. But the reality is that when Jesus shows up, just knowing that he's with us is enough. Just knowing that he's there with us is enough. Jesus responded to Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? To which I think all the other disciples went, duh. Of course he did. Blessed are those who have not yet seen and have come to believe. We are told that those who believe without seeing are blessed, but we are not exactly told why. Why would we be blessed if we believe in something that we have not seen? Why would we be blessed if we believe without having the evidence or the proof of the resurrection? To me, the why lies in what believing actually means. Blessed are those who have not seen yet have come to believe because their belief is not based on evidence or proof. It is based on faith and trust in God. You and I have come to trust God with our lives or we wouldn't be here. 
We have come to trust that as God raised Jesus Christ, we will be raised with him. And we have put all of our trust and faith in the fact that the resurrection really happened. And that because it did, one day we can hope for our own resurrection. We are blessed today not simply because we weren't there to see the resurrected Jesus, but because we have learned to live in faith that does not require proof and does not require evidence. I don't have to see and know what God is doing for him to be active in my life. I don't have to understand everything about how God did what he did between that Friday and that Sunday. And we don't have to know everything about the resurrection to believe in it. We simply have to have faith that God raised Jesus from the dead so that he could be our Lord, our Savior, and our God. Now, there are a lot of things we believe without seeing, aren't there? I believe the sun will come out tomorrow. I don't have proof of that. I have experience that God makes one day after another. But I also believe that one day the sun, S-U-N, will not come out anymore because the sun, S-O-N, will come out instead. That there's a day in which in the clouds we will see the Son of God coming to redeem this world and everyone who has believed and trusted in him in faith. And I believe that when that day arrives, we will experience the joy those disciples had when Jesus appeared in front of them. The joy of knowing that everything that we have believed in is true. That he really is the way, the truth, and the life. And that we make it to the Father through him. Now the scripture tells us Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. Think about it. If the whole purpose of Scripture was to provide evidence, you would write every single story. You would give us every single detail. Why? Because you're trying to provide evidence. But the Scripture is not about providing evidence, but about inspiring faith and helping us to trust in God. So John says, he did a lot of other stuff that's not written here, but this is written here so that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And that by believing in his name, you may have life. I believe that this story is here not to provide proof that Jesus was really raised from the dead, but to help us to continue to believe by faith that not only was Jesus raised from the dead, but he is currently living in each and every one of us today. 
God has made us many promises in Scripture. But none is greater than the promise of eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ. And that is what Easter, and that is what the resurrection is all about. We don't need proof. Like I told the kids, the proof is in the pudding. It's in redeemed lives that are lived for God. It's in lives that are giving themselves away for the sake of the kingdom. It's in lives that continue to trust in the Son, S-O-N, every single day. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the resurrection. I thank you for being able to believe where we have not seen, that Jesus was indeed raised from the dead. I ask, O oh Lord, that you will help us to continue to trust you in everything in our lives, that we will believe that you're not just alive, but that you're alive in us and for us and through us. Help us, O oh Lord, to tell others about the resurrection, that, O oh Lord, this story that seems incredible to so many will become real for them as well. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, the one who was raised from the dead, the Christ and the Messiah of the world. Amen. The altar is always open if you'd like prayer as we uh, continue worship.